0: So, and since we started this podcast, how the heck are we going to get along? Over a year and a half ago, the question I have probably gotten asked most in the past year and a half is, when are you going to have your friend Megan McCain on? So, this week in a special Thanksgiving episode, uh, we took last week off, we'll be taking off um, this week for the holiday as well. So, this week in a very special Thanksgiving episode, the episode that everyone's been waiting for, my favorite person to argue with about almost everything Uh, my good friend, Megan McCain this week on how the heck are we going to get along? People have been asking me to have you do this podcast since we started it a year and a half ago. So everyone who's listening is saying about fucking time right now. But I said, you know, I've told people Megan is not, uh, is not someone who, I mean, I would call to just ask her to come do the podcast for the hell of it. She's always got opinions. She's never going to not have an opinion. Well, you so get them just,
1: for free every day when I text them to you. So <laughs> right, I know. Have we have a. For
0: <laughs> so, for those listening, that's what I told her. I said, let's just talk about our text chain <laughs> and what we have in our text chain with our friend Josh about yeah. um, what's going on in the country. And the whole topic of this show is um, how the heck are we going to get along? And I'm going to ask you that in a minute. But, sure. but. I think a lot of people are incredibly, I'm sure you get it too, are incredibly confused by why we're friends when, truth be told, we disagree on so much. Why do you think, besides the fact that I'm just incredibly charming,
1: what else? Well, it's your raw sex appeal, clearly. But
0: But besides the obvious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, it is weird because we we did we did get introduced. Um, God, I'm what a decade! Ago. Ago. It's Like
1: twelve years ago, thirteen. It's years ago. been a long time, it's a really long time ago. Well, and we sat down and get us to work together, like right. And, and always- we sat
0: down and talked about topics. And I remember at that very lunch, both. Leaving incredibly fascinated by you and sort of in love, but also like, God, how in the hell can she believe some of the shit she
1: believes? (laughs) Well, we definitely, I mean, I think, but I want to say three things because I get asked about our relationship a lot too. Um, I think that um, you and I are both obsessed with politics, and I always tell people that you're like much more of a political animal than. I mean, I think anyone who had ever run for Congress obviously is, but you're very politically engaged, you have strong opinions as well, and you're a really good debater. And we spend like 50% of our time, maybe even more, talking about politics and talking about the world, and you're always a good foil for me, and I think I'm a good foil for you, because I know that it's safe to fight with you, like I can literally give any raw opinion and there are times where i'm like this is just for clay this is opinion that is literally just for you um and i know that i won't be judged and it's like a safe space even though i fucking hate that word safe space um and i don't know we both (laughs) it's very
0: politically (laughs) correct though good for you
1: yes (laughs) um, on a personal level you and i both know what it feels like to get the living shit beat out of us in the media for being who we are so i think that's uh, something, and I know when i 've gone through times that have been like rough or intense, um you know what it feels like, and you know you 've been there as well so and also, I just think the baseline of how we view the world and our families and America are the same and i just why is anyone friends with anyone? like you know we just connect
0: i know I say that same thing to people i can 't define why i 'm friends with my other friends mm-hmm. other than I just like them personally. And I think we all – most of us have friends who we don't even know what their political views are because mm-hmm. we are we just don't talk about them. I happen to know yours because we do, and we bonded over that sort of give and take. But um, what you mentioned being beat up about things, and what I do find a little bit interesting and about the difference between how we're beat up is that I was obviously beat up in the news for being gay. Or, I mean I wasn't beat up for being gay, but I certainly – was in the closet for a period of time, took a while to figure it out myself, came out in 08 and I kind of went through, I, I came out a little too early. I came out when it was yeah. still okay to make those jokes. Yeah. I'm fine. I mean, I, I'm i not upset by them, but you kind of get crap for, I got crap for who I am and who how I was born and how that you got, I mean, you really kind of allowed yourself to be in a position where you got crap for stuff that... You could have chosen to just not say. I mean, you could have had the opinions that you have, but chosen to not say them on TV, but you kind of put yourself there because you thought it was important to talk about them. Why? Tell people why you thought going on The View and being the conservative person on that show and the most visible conservative, arguably, in the country for for several years was important.
1: Well, I. I mean, I don't even... It's not even possible for me to... Censor myself or like, amen. Like, yeah, like <laughs> if I want to, which I've certainly been in situations would have been more helpful. Like, it's just not my nature. It's not my personality. Um, I think there's a really lucrative, and this is not a judgment on any women who do this because, like, fantastic on you, but there's like an extremely lucrative, successful space in television for very inoffensive women, for women who are, like, polite and beautiful and talk about being a mom and let's all just get along and, you know, let's, like, laugh and dance and drink wine. And that's great, like, amazing. It's not something that personally appeals to me when um, I'm consuming television, but it's a huge market. And is there a sliding doors part of me sometimes that is, like, if I had just been, like, a cute mom and someone who – uh, you know, sort of, <laughs> of neuter down my opinions on television, would my life look different? Yeah. I'd probably be
0: bored out of my mind. How but do you I, even imagine that? I can't imagine that with you. <laughs> I can't imagine
1: that alternative. It's, not, it's, I mean, I would have to like <laughs> reanimate my DNA. Like I'm just a really <laughs> opinionated, strong person, but with strong opinions comes strong reactions. And, um, you know, I always feel like I'm saying what a lot of people are just thinking, and maybe are too, uh, you know, worried about like the public backlash to say or think. Um, I don't care. I don't care. I like. I'm very proud of the work I've done and continue to do, hopefully. And um, you know, I think there's a lot of people in America that agree with me. And well, yeah, go ahead. Well,
0: I set you up for that uh, that question because I I expected your. I mean, I know the answer already in part, but to, talk about the importance of having the voice at the table because I don't have to tell you or anybody else that there were many times that I watched the show or hell was even there visiting where I would sit in your dressing room and go, shit, what did she say that? <laughs> I wish she hadn't said that. Or I wish she hadn't had that opinion on gun control or, or whatever else it was, but you'd come back and I'd say, why the fuck did you say that? And you'd say somebody had, I mean, I mean talk about the, the importance of having that conservative voice in a panel of people who, otherwise kind of all agree with each other and why it's important for us to listen to the other side?
1: I mean, I think people like to pretend in mainstream media that Republicans don't exist. It's just easier to have every network not have any or to have the like, Republican du jour, which is like a Republican who once voted for Bush when I was in middle school and like still, for whatever reason, brands himself as a Republican because you can make more money saying that than by being a Democrat. I don't have a ton of respect. I have no respect for people who do that. Um, and my favorite line is that I didn't leave the party, the party left me. Well, some of us are still trying to like reform within the party and still try and make a difference. And what's confusing to me about things like the Lincoln Project are, you know, there's nothing Republican or conservative about anything. You're literally giving money to Democrats. Like, what about being pro-life? What about fiscal conservatism? What about like the main tenets of being a conservative? Did that just blow out the window too? So I think for me, it was just important to show a real conservative. I'm a real one, and I got a lot of heat, and I've certainly gotten a lot of shit from a lot of different people, but. The flip side is I also have a lot of trust with conservatives in the country and I don't – like this isn't just like anecdotal. There's like data and research that my agents have done that back it up and conservatives know that I am a real one and that I wasn't embarrassed to be one on TV. I wasn't like rejecting where I came from to mainstream myself. Um, The other flip side of that is there are circles I can no longer go into right now. There are places that just like it's not socially acceptable to have Meghan McCain in um, because – Like, um, you know, there's certain like media places and me, I used to like in the beginning of my career, when we first met, I would be invited to like a lot of like, you know, proofy media parties, which I I don't like going to anyway, so it doesn't matter. But like, there are people in media who don't want to touch me anymore and don't want to be friends with me and don't want to know me. And a big part of that is my politics. And I think people just, just sort of assumed that I was like, um, squishy and in the middle for a long time. And that's very acceptable, but being super pro-life and, second amendment and being against blm are not things that you can think and believe and be accepted in some spaces and i don't give a shit like at all but it's interesting to me that there are i can't name one other mainstream republican not on fox news who is sort of defiant in their politics in the way that i am and it makes me sad
0: so but tell, tell how answer how were, was it possible for you to not be embarrassed at times <laughs> when, when, when sometimes there are things that are going on in your party that I know you think are nuts. I mean, I think yeah. that there are people right now who are, on your, who are in your party who you openly have admitted to me in the past are just batshit. So okay. how, do you, how do you separate those? Because you, you, you did not support Trump, never. No. Um, don't like the Trumps at all. And I could probably go off a list of 15, 20 other Republicans who you would like to see just sort of fade into obscurity. So how can you still be, answer this question that many people ask, how can you still be a Republican when the most prominent faces of your party are the Madison Cawthorns and Marjorie Taylor Greens and Matt Gates and Tom, Donald Trumps?
1: I mean, my flip question is: How can you be a Democrat when Ilhan Omar and AOC are the loudest, most public? I mean, AOC is like on the cover of Vanity Fair and going to the Met Ball,
0: like the most. Right. So I can answer that question, and you know I can, and I know you can answer it too. So tell me what your answer is, though.
1: Um, First and foremost, I, as crazy as I think people like Marjorie Taylor Greene are, and I do, and I think she's actually very dangerous. She's, but she's also been stripped of her committee. She has no legislative power whatsoever, which I do think is the difference between like my most crazy and your most crazy with all due respect. Um, and I think for me, a, my values are all the same and B.
0: Well, hold on, how, hold on a second. Yeah. Your values are similar. They're not all the same. I mean, I'm going to yeah, protect like, you a little I'm bit not, by saying you don't think your values are not the same as Madison Cawthorn's and Marjorie Taylor Green's.
1: I don't mean it about them. I just mean like my core values that I believe in haven't changed just because they're elected. Right. No, I mean there's many obviously. I don't
0: think You obviously. I mean, I can I, I can't a, think of a, person, a person who was more pissed I'm not on January terror. 6th than you were.
1: Yeah, like I'm not like all the normal mainstream things. I'm not, but the flip side of it is like I'm also like like there's so many things that like repulse me about the left right now. So I, I don't know. I, I sort of accept my crazies and try and think of, you know, I don't I don't take them seriously. Maybe that is my uh, maybe that's a, uh, ill-advised, you know, because I didn't take Trump seriously for a long time. But I also think like within my party, I try and look at they're a they're a symptom of something bigger these people aren't getting elected because there's not like this root of darkness going on in the country, in my opinion. And I would rather have my darkness out in front of me. I would rather know what the crazies in all, in America are thinking and doing rather than having it like repressed to the bottom. Um, but
0: you're okay with them being in the Congress?
1: No, of course not. I mean, I, okay. would love to, <laughs> I mean, of course not. I would love to have a normal mainstream and by normal, I just mean like, again, like not conspiratorial, not radical. I would not
0: trying to take a gun onto the floor of the exactly. house.
1: Exactly. Like not, you know, like, and I also just hate stunts. Like in general, I hate mm-hmm. political stunts. And I find that like, it's just a lot of stunts. It's a lot of like going on the floor to like scream and make a scene, but like pass a fucking law, all of you on the radical left and the radical right. And, um, but I don't like, like I, I don't I just think they're like jokes, <laughs> like, if that makes sense, like, I'm not no, like, I agree. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to let like five radical, crazy people let me leave my party. If that makes. But sense. are they I mean, like,
0: but look at people like Liz Cheney, who I, I know you don't agree with on everything. And uh, but how do you feel when someone like her gets kicked out or gets called not a Republican?
1: Makes me very sad and very angry. Um, I really like what it. should she do? I don't think she gives a fuck. I mean, from what I know about her, I don't know her. We have exchanged emails and direct messages and um, emails with her staff because I was defending her on television. Um, I like her. I, I have always liked her. Um, I'm always going to have an affinity for like somebody who has a famous dad who's making it on their own. Um, and I think she has like balls of steel, which I really respect, obviously. Um I don't think that, you know, whether these people like it or not, you can't actually throw people out of the party. You can't actually take her membership away. I think they tried in Wyoming or they voted. Well, I guess they,
0: they don't refer to her as one. But so if she runs in Wyoming, is she going to win? And what's going to say if she doesn't?
1: I haven't been following her race closely enough. I know that there's a lot of people trying to primary her. Probably, yep. I just expect a lot. And I think Trump is
0: not as endorsed one of them at least. So regardless of that, and I don't, I agree. I don't know the the details of of Wyoming and whether you can run as an independent if you lose the primary, like um you can in Alaska. But do you think do you think that the majority of Republican electorate in primaries thinks like you and Liz Cheney, or do you think that the majority of Republican electorate in primary, excuse me, primaries? is going to go for the Madison Cawthorns and the Marjorie Taylor Greens.
1: Um, I think it depends what state you're in. And I think it depends which district you're in. Um, I really, like I said, I really like and respect Liz Cheney. It makes me really sad that when we talk about like being big tent Republicans, which people like Kevin McCarthy do all the time, it has to extend to people who come out viscerally against Trump as well. And that seems to be like an issue for leadership. Um, I think it's toxic. I think it's dangerous. Um, I also think that what's helping Republicans right now is just how crazy and far gone Democrats have gone um, under President Biden. And you want want me to take that bait so bad. I'm going to take it. No, I I People are always like people ask this question. Maybe I'm I'm, like being long winded. As crazy as my party is, and there is certainly much to be like analyzed all day long, and i absolutely hate trump i didn't vote for him um i never have thank god um i mean i never would but and if he becomes the nominee again then we can have a whole other conversation because then like i may just have to like i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do because i just can't do this again like that's how i feel like i just can't do this again well, i
0: thought you were buying an island we were all going to <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: The Scotia, the UK—like where should we all go? I actually don't know if it would be like safe for me if Trump gets elected. But 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 you
0: think you see on my side the same thing I see on your side? Yeah. So I, I mean, I I agree that my party has got a lot of divisions, and I will be one of the first to say we've got to do a better job of winning. And I have my opinions on why we didn't do as well in Virginia, but to me. I look on the right and see people being way worse than what my far left side is doing. You see it the other way, and that's one of the way places that we don't agree. But you think that the so so talk about that um, and and what scares you most about the folks on the left?
1: Um, and in comparison to the crazy right, or sure, however you want long? to. Um. There's a lot of things that scare me.
0: I mean, do you think socialism is really something that they that people are trying to bring to the country?
1: I do, and I think. Do Marxism you really? Too. I do, and I think Marxism as well. And I think that, as in, the government controls everything. I think that there is an idea that, and and this is one thing that during COVID really became. It was something I believed, and now it's something that like I I feel in a really visceral way. There is an entire swath of the country, and they are liberal. Who want to be controlled by the government. Who are comfortable what? in a space. This <laughs> is me. Who are comfortable <laughs> in a space where the government tells them what to do. All day, every day. And runs every element and aspect of their life. Which has been shocking to me. Because I think it's A, innately un-American. B, it's anti-freedom. And C, C there's like this radical. Just let me finish that. I'll the yeah, yeah. answer. I, can, I have been just. It has blown me away that this like radical idea that the answer to everything is the big government will save you and is that they're going to cuddle you and make sure everything's fine and tell you everything <laughs> to do from the moment you wake up in the morning wear masks forever to we're going to tell your children what to do now infamously you know that the line that killed um that uh, that saved young that really helped youngkin was when uh McAuliffe said that, you know, that parents shouldn't be involved I I'm paraphrasing parent parents shouldn't be involved with their education uh, of their children. Like all of that is like it's like the stuff that I thought was happening has now. Right, but
0: this is why what you're saying is why I'm going to disagree with you because I don't think there is a push for there is a large swath of Americans who want the government to control them. I think that that sort of thing is a fever dream that okay, folks on the far right
1: in San Francisco and like but 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 really
0: <laughs> but I don't think those people I don't think that people want that. I think when I think of when I've asked people in the past, so when you say you're afraid of socialism, what do you think that means? That's you. What you just gave is usually the answer I get. But I think what most progressives like me want are things like universal health care, which I know we disagree on, but which doesn't necessarily have the government control your life. It just gives you access to something that really shouldn't be a, you know, shouldn't be up for the richest people to have the best health care and free education. Childhood education, I mean, free education K through twelve is a socialist policy, right? Because the government's providing something. I don't think that people want the government telling them what to do or controlling their lives. And arguably, maybe that's why Youngkin did have an easier time of beating Terry McAuliffe. Is are we are we seeing two parties go f- too far to the to either side and? And it's just a race to see who can make their the moderates think they're the least crazy.
1: This is where I'm going to punt back to you. Go on. Democrats' numbers are absolutely cratering and flatlining. Biden's numbers are flatlining. Vice President Harris's numbers are a joke. If things are going so well, and this is these policies are something that you think, as you said, we're just talking about health care. We're just talking about education. If that's really what Democrats and the left are proposing, why are is everyone in this position we're talking about like and again i don't have like notes in front of me but not we're guy. talking about like the possibility of absolutely historic numbers in 2022 from the likes that i never thought i would see in my generation in midterms and then in 2024 because i believe democrats have already blown it so much and i believe that president biden ran as a moderate and is now in some kind of you want to talk about fever dreams like the this progressive like like I don't even know. I can't even imagine why he thinks that going as far left as he has governing is is like a winnable future. But the American public is not liking it. And do you think
0: he went too far left? I mean, the, I mean, he the the initial plan was for $5 three $5 trillion. trillion, but we're now at one one and a half trillion for for Build back better yes, right? And
1: I think it's everything from his policies to his rhetoric. It's been, I don't, it's been so shocking to me. It's So, just well, so that's got to
0: be confusing for you because you like him as a person. I do. And you really were place. excited. I don't even know if you voted for him because I never even asked you. Um, I did
1: okay, I wrote it and I, I didn't vote for either of them. Yeah. Mm. Um,
0: but, but you certainly wanted him to win over Donald Trump um, because you like him as a person. You talked about that. I was, you know, we've you know, been I, family guess, friends look. for a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was really a struggle during the election, because it was like this battle between my head and my heart. And I, like, policy wise, there were many things Trump did that I liked policy wise, but I thought that his character and his rhetoric were so incendiary, it was ripping the country apart from the inside out. And I was just, you know, live here, right outside DC, and I drove to work in the morning, the morning of the insurrection, and texted my executive producer saying, like, something insane is happening. I could just feel the energy, and there were just, like, crazy flags and trucks everywhere and people screaming. And then to, like, experience the insurrection, like, so close and so firsthand, like, I don't think the country could have withstood trump again that being said i feel fucking lied to by democrats and by also
0: so tell me that because you do love joe biden or have loved joe biden but f- what what is it that you make that makes you so bothered by his presidency right
1: now I was done after Afghanistan, as you know, because very, very heated. I mean, it's not disrespectful, but like, yeah, it's like one of the most. That's probably our biggest one, right? That is probably (laughs) the biggest one, actually. Can you admit that you were wrong that it had more of an impact?
0: No, I'm not willing to admit that yet, but neither would you <laughs> if you were wrong. So it's okay. <laughs> I think I think it certainly lasted, the impact lasted longer than I expected it to, because I did not expect Americans to have the attention span that they did when it came to Afghanistan. But I would even argue that... Were it not brought up because of this little light moment with us, it's probably not something we'd be talking about today. You'd have bigger beef with his Build Back Better plan and other policies and might not be. I, I guess my point is, I don't think that in 2022, Afghanistan's going to be on the top of people's minds. See, when they I go actually back into the- do
1: think it's going to be uh, something that's brought yeah. up in like a debate or, um, you know, I think that they are going to because – even the things that we're seeing right now, there's like hunger, little girls are being trafficked at like nine years old. I saw this video on Twitter, and I believe it was a CNN journalist that tweeted it, um, that was a little nine-year-old girl whose dad was selling her to an old man for food for their family. Like, I think there's going to be, and is, the greatest humanitarian catastrophe of my, not my lifetime, but maybe like in the last 20 years. I think the vacuum that is being left, much like what happened in Iraq with ISIS, is going to happen there and is happening. And I think that Americans can forget and move on from a lot of things. Americans, as you know, you live in North Carolina, and I can say this as a generalization, are patriotic and love the military. And when we see people falling out of planes and here are stories about translators being abandoned and us leaving our allies after 20 years. And God knows how many deployments. I mean, I was trying to count the deployments between my brothers. Um, it's not something I'm going to forgive or forget. And I think there is a misunderstanding. And again, just not, just not direct to you because I don't put you in this category. But how many people that work in media know someone in the military or are related to someone in the military and – understand the grave ramifications like try recruiting.
0: well you know i am you know my brother served you two are. tours yes, in iraq but i'll tell you what and i told you this before but we have it out right now again um <laughs> is that even he said you know what else were we going to do and he voted for trump the first time not the not, second time but he said cool. what else were we going to do um we he said we should have left in 2012 after we got Ob- after we got osama
1: not pull um, out with the the what, even okay so i get the the people who wanted to leave, I, I've heard that argument many times and I respect it, especially coming from people in the military, then you should have executed it when you left in a way that was that we didn't just abandon people and leave them there, which is something that definitely could have happened. And I am certainly not a military strategist, but I watched many videos and podcasts from veterans during that time um, and respected people. There's this guy, um, Jocko, uh, he's like a very famous, uh, I believe Navy SEAL, he has a podcast and bunch of my friends listened to it. And he had this video that was talking about what Biden should have done and said and what he said. And I can't repeat it at the time because I don't remember it verbatim, but it was what I wish President Biden had done and said.
0: Do you do you worry at all about people getting into the country from that country without being vetted that perhaps terrorists or potential or people who have mean in our country? Yeah. Coming into our country may have gotten into our country without being vetted or that we might be at risk because of that.
1: Yeah, and you know what would have been great? Having a strategy. to
0: <laughs> Right, but so but the reason I ask that is so I could throw it back in your face and say, <laughs> and say that, is that not the argument for why there is so much bureaucracy for those who did help us, for those who did help the American military there? If you were a translator for the American military in 2009, and then you did that for two years, but then you left... It's going to take a while for us to make sure that between 2009 and 2011, you still stayed, you know, you're still not someone who's coming to this country. I guess it's both ways. Either you're not vetting them enough, and therefore dangerous people are getting in, or you're vetting them too much, and then people who should have gotten in are stuck there because they're still going through the vetting process. Isn't it like a he can't win situation?
1: No, I mean, I think. Innocent people were left, so I mean, again, like the videos that just made me sick of like people trying to lift babies over walls to get out, the video of the guy falling out of the plane being so desperate because those people know what happens in Afghanistan when we're not there. I was one of the people, and you can call me a neocon, which people have in the past, where I believe that we should have a presence there in the way that we do in like places like Korea that I thought that, like, the bandwidth and the money and the expense to keep a small presence there, there had been no um, fatalities there in, like, and again, I don't know the exact number, but, like, 18 months or two years before we had left, I think there was a way to maintain a presence and stability there without just pulling out in this insane way, and it would have been fine. Okay, if you disagree with me and you think that we should leave altogether, Again, have a strategy where it's not just abject chaos everywhere and innocent soldiers are being blown up, including a 23-year-old woman who I looked at her Instagram page and her, her social media page afterward and I cried because it just made me so sad she was so young and idealistic. Like These are unnecessary deaths and I do blame President Biden. And then to put a cap on it, I also blame President Biden for having conversations with those families and the families giving quotes to the media saying that all he did was talk about his son Bo, which again, it's a great tragedy, and his son Bo died of the same brain cancer my dad did, so I completely understand the pain and anguish.
0: Well, I think and, he's trying to empathize with them and say he understands what it's lost like to lose a child, right?
1: Well was not blown up. In in in. So what could Democrats? So
0: what should Democrats'
1: but, argument if they want to? But just to put a cap on it, they blew it all the way around the strategy. And then even afterwards, something as simple as consoling the families. And I was just, I just was saddened and horrified by the whole thing. And I, I, I remember talking to a friend of my dad's who was a in, in high level person in the Senate. And he said to me, thank God your dad is dead and not here to see this. And so that so, is where I and That's it. That has been it for me with President Biden.
0: Well, I do know that you have not come back
1: Um, (laughs) sense. But what but what
0: could what could or should Democrats have done? I mean, is it okay to assume assume that a Democrat thinks that he did he did it handled it wrong? And I'm not one of those. Um, I don't think it was handled beautifully, but I definitely see that it was a no win situation all around. The response from a lot of them would have been to your last argument, about he had no strategy, a lot of Democrats turn around and say, "Yeah, but this was, and they'd be right about it. This was Trump. Trump's the one who said, "We're pulling out. We're going to have an end date. We'll have every all the military out by X date." And Biden really just followed through with the plan that Trump had already made and promised in um when they did their meeting in Qatar. So is that yeah, the kind right, of argument that Democrats that. should make you love doing strategy? Is that the kind of argument they should make, or should they have said? If they believed he had done something wrong, oops, we're sorry. I mean, is there any way for someone to do something that either party believes is not right and then – and win you back by saying, oops, this is what we should have done or have a different argument for why what they did was right?
1: Uh, So your question is, if going forward, what can Democrats do to win me back on this issue? I mean, maybe not on that issue, but
0: yeah, I was asking it about that issue, but all of them in general. I mean, it just seems like a lot of people have made up their minds on things and aren't going to change them.
1: Look, I am guilty, as as many people are, of being extremely tribal and reactive when it comes to politics, particularly anything having to do with war and foreign foreign policy was a very, very, very important part of my family and my dad's politics. I grew up talking about it a lot. And it was, I I didn't spend Thanksgiving. I mean, we're up on Thanksgiving on Thursday and I didn't spend like the last, I want to say six Thanksgivings of my life, maybe seven because my dad was spending Thanksgiving with troops overseas. So like, and it's not that, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like most Americans feel connected to the military. I just think that the ideology, which I still strongly believe in, um, it's dead on both sides. I mean, it's like you know, neocons are. It's like me and the the like writers at Commentary magazine. Like we're like the last ones that believe in America first uh, foreign policy. So you're right when you say that like Trump w- would have done it. Yeah, I didn't agree with his foreign policy either, except on Israel. I liked that. Um, but to win me back, I mean, I get very tribal, and I'm very. Um, I don't say I'm like angry, but I'm just. I feel like I have hit a wall, and I think I think. You know, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think you have to in a lot of ways where I feel well, like yeah, I've I,
0: certainly I, hit a wall because I don't think a, what the right shit's getting done for sure. And yeah. I think you agree with that. Right.
1: Well, I also think that just I feel like and again, I'm in a very unique and very specific situation. So take that with a grain of salt. I feel like I have played ball with Democrats. I have debated. I have argued. I have come to the table. And the response is, which just happened recently, is we're so glad that there are no Republicans around. We're The panel is perfect now that there's no Republican on it. We have a perfect panel, which is something that a co-host of mine said last week, um, and it went on on Twitter. Like, a perfect place in America is a place where no Republicans have a voice or a a spot at the table, metaphorically and literally.
0: I am. Do you think that Democrats feel the same way about Republicans, even though they may not have as many opportunities on mainstream TV, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that a lot of Democrats would believe that in certain circles around this country, in certain areas, especially rural, rural areas, that there's that
1: Democrats are in, for Democrats? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's horrible on both sides. I don't live that way. Clearly, you and I are extremely right. close and I have. um you know, I, I'm not trying to say this, like, in a way that sounds, like, pejorative, but, like, I really do have a lot of friends who think differently than I do politically. Um, I think part of that is just, like, living in New York for so long. Part of that is, like, I'm contrarian, and I like being able to debate with friends. I also... You're telling me like, you like to argue? I love it. It's my favorite. You've taken all these it. years <laughs> I have
0: figured that out. I didn't know that. <laughs> you, but you also live in, you, not not just in New York now, you live in a very liberal area. Northern Virginia is not um anybody's idea of a Is conservative region
1: now? like i would say after
0: well but that was what i was going to ask you yeah. so you sat through this virginia thing um that that everybody i think i think a lot of democrats were shocked by hell i think some republicans were even shocked by um what happened
1: i mean you know i live like you said i do live in northern virginia i live like right right close to dc um I had. I feel like I was. I knew a lot about this because obviously, just living living here, um, I think a lot of things happened. I think Virginia closed down the schools for too long, and parents got very angry just for COVID. Yeah, for COVID, and then stayed closed when private schools were opening. And I think, um, and Mary Catherine Ham was talking about this on CNN, and she said that um, you know there were like teachers saying things like, "You just want to come open so you can get your babysitters back," like being very. Um, dismissive of parents' feelings um about their children and you know the the great strain that Zoom learning had on like I you know we're doing a Zoom right hey, now. I did the
0: Zoom I did the Zoom learning. It was strain it was a lot of strain involved. Yeah, it yeah. sounds
1: awful. It sounds like torture. Um so I think that happened. I think um, Democrats like I said, I think McCullough saying that thing where he was like parents shouldn't have the, the teachers, the ones that have something to do. Like what could their
0: argument what could Democrats, I'm not asking you to strategize for the other team, but I mean, it sounds, I think a lot of Democrats would argue that Republicans ran on an anti-Democrat message. What could Democrats have done to win in Virginia? Who messed up? Did Democrats mess up or did Republicans just do an incredibly good job?
1: I think Both. I think McAuliffe was a terrible candidate,
0: and um, I know that— But it wasn't just the governor, though. I mean, that state House of Delegates got uh, quite a shellacking Democrats did there, too. Yeah. So regardless of what you voted on the top of the ticket, a lot of these places in Virginia that had voted blue in the past, I mean, it was a big switch, right? So what did they—what, do? in your opinion, what was done wrong? How could Democrats win Virginia back in two years if they wanted to? Or can they, in your opinion?
1: Well, I mean, I think— You'd have to be a fool not to see that a state that Biden won by 10 points a year ago now switching in such a, you know, intense way. Yeah, dramatic way. This quickly things are going wrong. I love James. One of the things we should also focus on this podcast a little bit about the things you and I agree on. And one of them is our deep unending intent love for james carville i'm yes. obsessed with james carville <laughs> another politicon
0: co another politicon I, family member
1: i like i like worship him like i think he's so brilliant and i did before he became like the as you can attest to like the person that he is now where yes the, you've always like, liked james carville I, I love him i love his wife i, I
0: think him. you want to be him a little bit when you grow up i kind
1: of i kind of do <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you kind of already are. Say exactly what you think and give zero fucks about it. That's James Carvel. It's also a little mega McCain.
1: I need to get a Cajun accent and wear a sweatshirt and a baseball cap. TV, it's like he just doesn't give a shit. He's just he has
0: like, no right?
1: He's like sweatshirts. He's like Louisiana sweatshirts. And he's like, the stupid wokeness. That's why we lost. And I'm like, preach James well, But wokeness. But is that... Is that really
0: it? I mean, first of all, AOC's response to that was nobody uses the word woke in, anymore, which I'm yes, not exactly sure
1: how that responds it, to the argument. Bill Maher went off on that this week, and it, I loved it. He was like, "Yeah, the way to win back voters is by telling them that they're uncool and old and stupid."
0: But but do Democrats have an have an argument that that even if the that the woke policy? Demi- I'm sorry. Does AOC have an argument that the way to win, though, is to focus on the more progressive ideas, um, the, you know, universal <laughs> health care and whatnot? Does I mean, she have I a point? I
1: that all Democrats do for the next four years, for the next 50 years. I hope the only thing they do is focus on how everything is racist and you're wrong and I'm uncool and you have to be like the wokest person in the land. AOC can say that. I think she gave an interview in the New York Times, which I did. I haven't read yet, but it's in my queue of things to read. Um, that she was saying like they didn't invite me to Virginia to, to campaign. Like, yes, she didn't. did. Yeah, yeah, and I was saying yes, right? She I mean. She, Try that experiment. Like, if that's what went wrong in Virginia is that there was not enough squad members campaigning with rural Virginians who, you know, were concerned about their children being taught critical race theory. Like, sure. Like, send them out there. Like, great. Go talk to these. I love that. that, That's sort of the same thing I said about Trump. Yeah. You know,
0: by all means. So, but but I will say this, because I think the same thing that happened in Virginia— probably happened a year and a half ago in Georgia, right? And Georgia flipped blue in the Senate, uh-huh. two seats blue, your home state in, in the, the past two state, years. Too. Right. Yeah, I was going to say your home state flipped two seats in the Senate blue. Um, and Democrats have cheered, etc. When I ask you, do you think that Virginia will stay red? I'm also essentially asking you if you think that Georgia will stay blue, or do you think Arizona will stay blue, and so Arizona- or do these things flip that much?
1: I pay, obviously, much more attention to Arizona than I do to Georgia. Um, the Cook Report said, like a few days ago, that Arizona for Senator Mark Kelly, that that famous astronaut. Now it's all up, right? Yeah, yeah. Know that it's, it's like now it's even switched to more than oh, likely has to, yeah, more than likely for him to lose his seat. And he could, you know, they could pretty much run any Republican, I think, that's not a you know, actually, I don't know. Arizona's politics are so...
0: Maybe it's your. Maybe it's time for you to go down there, get to Senate seat. Absolutely
1: not, um, because <laughs> because you're Trumper, and much like you know normal people, you can't couldn't get through a primary. So
0: what happens if? So what happens then? Let's talk Arizona because I mean, yeah, you Arizona made a point. Back. What happens if Arizona nominates someone like Kelly Ward, crazy as hell? I mean, and, um, and, and, does Mike yeah. Crowley still have a chance?
1: I don't think so. I, I think if it's a Kelly really? Ward. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't think she has a chance. Uh,
0: Okay. So, but so, so it's, so it's, you think it's Republicans to lose, but you're not confident necessarily that Republicans won't lose it on their own.
1: (laughs) I think that, I think that he will lose as long as it is not just an, like an absolute batshit crazy person, which, like, again, like that, I won't even say her name, but like, feel free to Google, like, all the things that she believes. Um, I also think that, um, the, a big thing that I have been saying to a bunch of friends of mine in, in different circles who are in politics in different ways is – and it's very simple. Just be normal. That's it. Just be a normal, not radical, crazy person.
0: OK, so I've heard you say, by all means, Democrats keep using folks like AOC –
1: by the way, I, that's um, being, I'm being facetious. Like. No,
0: I know you're being facetious. Right. You, As a Republican, you like the idea of Democrats using AOC more often because to you, you think that helps you as a Republican win. You think that Mark Kelly will win. I mean, you will lose unless Republicans don't, uh, nominate someone like Kelly Ward. So I guess for me as a Democrat, yeah. I should be rooting for De- for Kelly Ward in the same way you're rooting for AOC, right? This
1: is all um, democracy so no we shouldn't
0: be <laughs> right no no, no but, but, I, but I'm at, that's but, yeah that's the next part <laughs> yeah, i was gonna no, ask is America. are we essentially are we essentially just whoever nominates are we at a point now where it's whoever nominates the least crazy person wins in a lot of places in, in places like north carolina georgia virginia arizona places where the the vote is kind of split evenly
1: i do think that i really so do you're, you're
0: telling me you think there are moderates in this country then
1: I don't even think it's, like, moderate. You can't even describe it as moderate. It's just not batshit insane. It's, like, just not, like, the wokest of the land or some, like, stop the steal conspiratorial QAnon. Like, the baseline of what I want in normal has, like, like the bandwidth for it has stretched so far out where I'm, like, just don't be a QAnon conspiracy theorist and don't be, like, a socialist, radical, anti-Semite. But
0: don't be a – okay, but now I'm going to give you real shit because don't be a stop the steal 2020 is a was stolen yeah. type person. Um, I hate that. Right, but a huge chunk <laughs> of the party right now in the House, at least the, the Senate aside, in the House, the Republican Party – a huge chunk of them seem to be afraid to speak out against that type of thing. I know, you know I don't they,
1: understand it. I just saw a clip of Ted Cruz this weekend. I don't understand it because I think it's such uh, what a law of depleting, depleting, there's a term for it. Like, I
0: don't know. I don't know smart things like that. Um, <laughs> there's,
1: there's, there's, to me, it's so dated because at the end of the day, it's like, I do believe that Trump people, for the most part, like if a DeSantis runs, they're going to vote for him ultimately, especially if it's like against a, a Kamala or uh, Ben a, Sass
0: or something yeah. well oh you mean in the in the general
1: yeah in the general election so I do think they'll go no place the tricky part for both parties is basically like you and me like this demographic of like white college educated voters particularly women as well in the suburbs like that is a demographic that's like really up for grabs obviously went for Biden now we're seeing you know women like me go for Yunkin and I think that Stop the steal for me is like, you know, if you're a conspiratorial person who believes that the election was stolen and you like that man with the horns, like, we have a problem.
0: Well, see, I would see, well, I would agree, I'm not necessarily up for grabs because I look at the House side and I see, okay, there are two people on the House side who are willing to acknowledge that a violent video was not a good idea Cheney and and Kinziger. In the Republican side, we were willing to say, yes, that was unacceptable. But on the Democratic side, even if I worked, even if you were to say you wanted to take out some of the. Even the progressives like Pramila Jayapal ended up voting for the infrastructure package. So I don't know that my party has gone quite as crazy as yours has. Um, I think there's crazy all around, but I think that for whatever reason, that there are not as many people in the Republican Party like you as there are in the Democratic Party like me. <laughs> and you probably don't agree with that, but I, that's how I see it.
1: I think that there's some of the rhetoric coming out of the squad and is— dangerous in a way that also has real life ramifications like when you see um you know obviously what happened on january 6th and you see like you know some political violence that has happened you also see political violence that's happened in my opinion as a result of a lot of rhetoric that the squad has helped mainstream especially concerning anti-semitism especially concerning jewish americans i mean i i have met and spoken with Joey Borgin, who is a victim of the hate crime, Jewish hate crime that happened last May in Times Square. He had the living shit beat out of him because he was wearing a yarmulke in public. I have met with his parents. Um, he did not meet with Chuck Schumer. He did not meet the senators in the state, did not feel the need to reach out to him and his family. I think that if he were um, any other Uh, You
0: can't possibly be saying that Chuck Schumer is anti-Semitic.
1: No, no. I'm saying that the (laughs) rhetoric coming out – I'm saying I'm disappointed he didn't reach out to him. But I'm saying that the rhetoric of the squad, I think there's a direct correlation between the things that are being said about pro-Israel Jews and Israel and the spike in hate crimes that we're seeing against Jewish Americans and the rise in – Uh, hate crimes towards Jews all over the world, but particularly in the United States of America. So when people talk to me about Marjorie Taylor Greene, yes, obviously, like, I think she's a wackadoo. I can't exactly point to one fine linear thing of something she has said, although she is an anti-Semite herself. So maybe that maybe she is. I was going to say, the two of them have that in common. Some of them have that in common. Yes. And it's, it's very scary and dangerous. But again, For me, like, what I prefer is the lunatics out in front with their tiki torches saying Jews will not replace us, Jews have space lasers, instead of this, like, academic all about the Benjamins Jews are hypnotizing the world. That's what Ilhan Omar has said in the past that my, you know, the things that they are saying, there are, and I do a lot of work in this space. I just yeah, did, yeah. gave a speech with Senator Joe Lieberman. You I am just got an another,
0: award also from, from. I did, um, and
1: I'm giving another talk the night before Thanksgiving um, uh, with a very significant Jewish organization. Um, the most speeches I'm getting booked for right now, by far, have to do with the space of combating anti-Semitism. And I feel like it is a space that it's sadly the left has a really hard time speaking out in the same way against Jewish hate crimes and anti-Semitism that they do. And all hate crimes are horrific, obviously. I mean, full stop, the end. But it's much easier to say, you know, black lives matter, Asian lives matter than it is to say anything against anti-Semitism. And Why? Why do you think that's happening? I have absolutely no idea. It is beyond my comprehension. I think it's sick and gross. But I do know that this activism space for me, I am not Jewish, but... You know, I am I'm happy to be a ally and you in the, practically you know,
0: have a Jewish uncle, your uncle Joe.
1: Yes. <laughs> but the fact that it is the most amount of work I am doing right now in regards to speaking engagements and activism, it is what I'm being asked to do the most. It is what I am book to do the most says that a there's a vacuum of not enough people that are willing to come into this space and say hey full stop anti-semitism's horrific and we shouldn't conflate it with having policy positions differences with with your image of palestine and i i blame a lot on the squad i really do i blame their rhetoric i think that some of the things that they have mainstreamed is is like more dangerous than I than I could have fathomed. The fact that I worry about Jewish friends of mine wearing their Jewish star necklaces or wearing their yarmulkes out in places like New York City scares the shit out of me. And the reason why it's so important to me is because I do think it's a space. that's not getting enough attention. So when people say, like, your party's crazy, yes, yes, of course. But, like, there's a, a like, it's, like, and again, I don't remember exactly, but it's like a 115% spike in hate crimes against Jewish Americans in the past two years. Like there there are ramifications for rhetoric and signals. And I'm Well, there's I mean,
0: there's hate crimes against people for believing anything that they that another group doesn't agree with. I mean, obviously, yes the hate crimes against Jewish Americans, but we see hate crimes against people because they're conservative. We see hate crimes against people because they're progressive. What has happened mm-hmm. to the country where we now are just... I mean, the the congressman from Michigan who's gotten death threats because he wow. voted for the infrastructure package, um, we see... The, well, the attorney for Kyle Rittenhouse got, has gotten death threats from both sides because, one, he defended Kyle Rittenhouse in the first place, which, of course, pissed off a lot of people on the left. And because he came out and condemned uh, Matt Gates and Paul Gosar and Donald Trump Jr. for trying to support Kyle Rittenhouse afterwards and called them idiots for that. And now, of course, he's getting hate crime hate uh, death threats from the right. Why did, when did it become – when did a difference of opinion – become such fodder for just vitriol. Did that change recently? How, how, long, how long has that been going on? Because I don't remember it always happening.
1: I think Trump opened up Pandora's box. And I think a lot of people, and then I think that other politicians went with it. I think when you see Maxine Waters saying, if you see someone from the Trump administration out in public, get up on them and across them. Obviously, there's mob mentality. It's very dangerous. I think he opened it up and then nobody stopped it. And I think it's horrific. I hate it. I think it is un-American. I think that if people can't come together. And again, you're extremely- I was going to say,
0: how have we not killed each other?
1: I don't know how you and I have- <laughs> <laughs> I told you a long time ago.
0: <laughs> but, no, but seriously, how have we- cause, cause- well, I love we do you. it face-to-face I know, but we do it We talk face-to-face one-on-one. Yeah And I would argue and I've said this a hundred times on this program, and I know I've heard you say it before, too I wouldn't get as angry with someone who disagreed with me if I was talking to my neighbor. And, and I could probably turn around and have a, have a civil disagreement with him about a policy and then have him go back. And I don't know, he may be going back in his house, getting on social media and just doxing somebody who he disagrees with. We don't do it face to face. That's true. We know how to have, you know, we've got home training. We know how to behave face to face or over the phone even. Why can't we do it? How, how is it possible for someone to hate you so much when they don't know you? but they just know you for an hour tribal,
1: a day because we've turned into tribal people. I also think on a personal level, one of the things that at least I really appreciate about our relationship. And I think we should add Josh into this too, because our friend that we all text every day, um, all of us can concede when we're wrong. Um, and when our side has messed up, I am like, I have certainly been wrong about many things in the past
0: you I will say that's the one thing a lot of people don't know about you. And I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of shit from people on the left for, for, for defending you for this, <laughs> but I will do it anyway. I, you do maybe not always come back on TV the next day and apologize, but you have. But you, you, you usually are quite good about saying, oh, well, that was not right about that. Um, and so I definitely agree with you there.
1: I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want anyone to be hurt. I don't want to disrespect anyone, and I don't want to be disrespected. I think there's like a baseline of things that you and I and our group of friends do very well and have learned to do well. We are also older. I mean, I don't know if that has something to do with it. Like I'm 37, you're 30. (laughs) 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 And uh, you know, I think that um, it's also something, I think it's just like what we, how all of us were raised as well. Um, But I hate, I really, really hate it. And I actually think, um, there needs to be some kind of like mandate where people in Congress are forced to socialize on both sides in one way or another. And if that's like, I don't know, like a dinner or whatever, I think when you don't know people, you don't treat them like humans or some people do. I don't think you and I do that. And it's Why don't
0: life. people vote, though? For, I mean, you talk to anybody in the, in the world for, in person, face to face, and whether you agree with them or not. They will say that they're tired of all the hysteria and hyperbole and, and but no one goes to the polls to vote for the candidate who is willing to turn the volume down. why I don't know the answer to that I mean the people get out the vote for the ones who tend to be the Matt gates of the world he can Madison Cawthorn can turn out the vote on the right yeah and perhaps and arguably you know people on the far left can turn out the vote better off on the far left than people who are not. Um, using Twitter or social media as, as well?
1: I don't know the answer to that. I'll never know the answer to that because, you know- And that's if, why you won't
0: run for Senate in Arizona. Is that it?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's no pathway for McCain in politics. I mean, it is a damaged uh, time in America and MAGA still rules the Republican Party. It certainly rules it in its primaries. I have people within the Arizona Republican Coalition who tweet me, and the actual AZGOP Twitter account, tweets me some of the horrific, grossest... Insane, I mean, girl, you, you give
0: it back to him, though. So, yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean, I, I can resist anything except temptation. Isn't that the
0: <laughs> oh, yes, you, have, uh, <laughs> you have no, I have so many times wanted to take your phone away from you, <laughs> and I know I've called a few times. I've been like, I feel that what I just saw on TV is gonna get a tweet from you. I'm gonna try to call you and stop you before it happens. <laughs> I, know.
1: I should, I always want to quit Twitter. I just haven't.
0: You never, you always always say that I do like I'm gonna go up to Montana for the weekend I'm gonna turn my phone off and I'm like well let's see that Josh that'll last two days I know
1: it's like a pr- having one
0: Pringle like it's like why'd you name your book Bad, Bad Republican because people people should go check it out not just because um, it's an important book because you mentioned me in it and of course we, we got it. definitely the, <laughs> buy, buy it on Audible <laughs> it's available on Audible it's an audiobook you can Thank hear the dulcet you. tones of, Mac- of uh, Megan McCain's voice um, on Audible it's called Bad Republican but you mm-hmm. named it that because I
1: named it because because I thought, first of all, it's what my agent always calls me is like you're my bad Republican, and partly it's because when I was on The View, I was obviously like the villain and the bad one. But then when I go in conservative circles, because I'm I hate Trump, I'm the bad one. You know, like you're like the odd one out. So there's like no space where I'm a accepted conservative or Republican except on your podcast, Clay. Um,
0: <laughs> but- well, you're not. I mean, you're 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 the funny thing to me is that well. I think a lot of people would say you're not moderate. You aren't You aren't moderate in a lot of your views at all, but you are – you don't fit in that lane of people – of Republicans who have switched parties now after Trump. We know quite a few of those. Mm-hmm. They're in the media now. They were strong Republicans before Trump, after Trump. All of a sudden, not only did they stop – I mean – you and I absolutely disagree on a woman's right to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, we disagree on gun control and, and I'll keep fighting you and you'll keep fighting me on both of those until the <laughs> end of time. And that's fine. Um, we disagree on a lot of things, but I do at least have some weird respect for the fact that even though you hated Trump and you did not want him to be president as he was president, you continued to dislike him, but you continued to support those causes. And I, which it, pissed me off. But we have seen other people who have such a dislike for Trump that all of a sudden they change their opinion on um, gun control. They change their opinion on a woman's right to choose. They change their opinion on any and all of those issues that
1: i guess His most conservatives of trump derangement syndrome for me on all sides when trump derangement syndrome yeah you call it. it's I, it's what it's, it's like a term that people use
0: it's probably in the it's probably in the dsm now right <laughs> in the
1: <laughs> i just think when he becomes the lens in which you see everything and feel everything and emote everything and there's just people where i remember there was this one commentator who was on her honeymoon and was tweeting about trump on her honeymoon and i was like First of all, get to what you're supposed to be doing on your honeymoon. And second of all, like if you can't have any space of sacredness where he doesn't consume your brain. like I'm sorry, motherfuckers. I have more reason than anybody in America, yeah, yeah, yeah. anybody, to have him consume my brain. I only think about Trump when he's doing something crazy in the news or someone is talking to me about it. I don't actively wake up and think about him. I don't see the world through his worldview. I think he was a horrific president and a demagogue in a lot of ways. And he has done intense damage to this country.
0: And he's dangerous and could come back if we're not careful. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. That's what I think as well. And he put me through a lot of emotional pain, but I don't, I cannot stereotype everyone who voted for him. I can't stereotype everyone in America who feels like they have been abandoned and lost and that they aren't being heard. And I also have to, and I hate this this terminology, but I will say, I do have to check my privilege in a lot of spaces when I'm talking about him because, you know, I, I still have a media contract. I work for the Daily Mail. I'm gainfully employed. I come from a, you know, wealthy family and had a famous dad. Like I have every privilege in the world. And so it's easier for me to have more options in my life than it is. And you and I were talking about this earlier today, like someone in Appalachia whose family has been savaged by the opioid Addiction, and who feels like people on the left don't understand their cultural experience, and I think when people have nothing to believe in, they'll believe in a demagogue, and we've seen it historically over and over again. And I worry about I, you and I, I think, and mark this moment in time, November twenty second, Clay Aiken and Megan McCain are saying Trump has a potential to get reelected unless we all stop it. And also that means people on the left and people on the right and Republicans can't nominate him again and Democrats can't keep doing things where they just have this like abject repulsive reaction to anyone with an R next to their name. And I fear, and that's the thing I think you and I also agree on is we both fear what a second term Trump Amen. would be like. Amen.
0: And I, 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 more than anything, yes.
1: And I still,
0: where we I disagree, disagree is you. I agree. I believe that the policies of Democrats, and we can disagree here, I believe strongly strongly that the policies of Democrats are better for people in this country. And I believe that most people like our policies more when they're asked about them in a vacuum. So I want to run on those. And you might want me to run on those too, because you may disagree and that's fine. But let's get back to talking about the issues and the actual policies that affect people's lives instead of, um, you know, constantly talking about Arguments that you're not winning on your side, the far right's not winning on your side, and some of the arguments that I'm not winning on our side either. So, um, is that the solution, Megan? How the heck are we going to get along?
1: I think we're going to get along because there's no other option because we're like at a break. I truly believe we're at like a cultural breaking point right now. Um, I I read this poll that said that like 48% of Uh, Democrats think that America should be split in two and 52% of Republicans think that we should be split into America's. That is not an America I want to live in. It's not the America I want to raise my child in. Excuse me. Um, I don't believe in that kind of thinking. I also think that some of the greatest policies in American history and some of the greatest achievements we've ever done has been the combination of bipartisanship. Um, on a personal level, I've had a very intense, I would go so far as to say traumatic, five years of my life personally and professionally that I would not have sustained myself through without my dad's close friends who are Democrats. By the way, his Democrat friends are way more awesome than his Republican friends, but I'm just going to put that right there for you. Clay, you're laughing (laughs) because you know what that means. Um, And then on a personal level of having friends in just my life, because it's like when people are people, you, I don't, I mean, we talk about politics a lot, but like I don't, and the first thing I think of when I think of you isn't that you're a, raging liberal, which you are. Um, And I think that, I don't know, I think that people don't want to live like this. That's another thing I keep saying is who likes to live like this? I don't want to live in a place where our kids can't hang out and have a good time because we have different political opinions or we can't find anything to come together on. I mean, there's just so many issues on the left that I've come more towards the middle on, especially when it comes to like paid family leave and prison reform in the past few years. And I'm open to having my mind changed. And I think most Americans are. Um, I still believe in that this is a dark time we're going to pull out of. I really do in my heart, in my head. I really do. I hope you do too.